Welcome back to the Emergency Power Podcast. You've made it through another week, so sit on down if you can find a spot, because there's just so many people aboard the second hand right now. <laughs> Why is it so crowded? Get off of my Got ship! Like six Gurgatal, or maybe more. I, I lost count. There's like Swarkus, there's Uzi, there's Victor, there's Isbin. There's so many, then all three. We had a cargo bay, but it's full of trolls now. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't even mention the two trolls. Oh, the oh. smell. The smell, guys. That's fine. We're gonna, we'll give them a sonic bath. You'll never Everyone looks over here. at ponds. They're like, what? What is the smell? <laughs> also, holy crap, season three! We're in yeah, season we're back. three. We did it. We're back, baby. A little bit oh of hiatus there. Oh, my God. That's right, and we're back and better than ever, because now everyone is level six. Yes! Our power grows. It does. More and more terrifying for me, having to balance encounters to make it challenging for you guys. Oh, you're so damned, Adam. It just gets more fun for us. Like, levels five through eight are my best levels. I I have them planned. You know I do. Yes, I know. You have it to level 20 already. You've probably pre-purchased I, all the gear that you're going to get. Like The yeah, only thing that's going to slip me up is if Paizo puts out some crazy awesome ability that screws up all my plans, but mm-hmm. theoretically, I know where I want to go it, with though. script. Yeah. Okay, then... Why don't why don't we get some highlights? The highlight reel, the sizzle reel. Anything yep. super cool you guys are getting at this level? I only get one cool thing, and that's an operative exploit. And I ended up going with Uncanny Shooter. Reason being that we are actually pretty bad at remembering that ranged attacks provoke attacks of opportunity in this game. Uh, so I decided. Yeah. So I decided I just don't want to have to ever worry about that. So if as long <laughs> as I am shooting with a small arm. I do not provoke when I'm adjacent or within someone's threatened Jeez, area. Jeez, that's like everything that gets you an operative uh, trick attack. You're uh-huh. fine. Yeah. Oh, good. I'll just not worry about 5e ever again. He's just off doing his thing. It's cool. There's some weird stuff in that operative exploit list, by the way, Jeff. You were talking about supplements messing up your path down the road. There is a six-level operative exploit that requires at least one tenth-level operative exploit to take. And I'm like... Why? <laughs> Interesting. Maybe so there's must a be good. Maybe there's a uh, uh, what is, like the operative specializations. Maybe there's one that grants you that one early. Could be, know. and I didn't. I didn't dig that deep. Honestly, the Occam's Razor explanation is that someone didn't proofread. But you know, I mean, it is what it is. <laughs> but yeah, I was like, that's awesome. It was something that would like let you. You can sacrifice trick attack damage to prevent a caster from casting without making a save for a full round. Wow. But, but to do it, yeah, you no, need... No, we can just wait until level 10 to get right. that. That's fine. <laughs> but to do that, you need two other exploits, one 6th level and one 10th level. But I digress. So that's why that's another reason why I took on Candy Shooter. I was like, this is a lot easier and more straightforward than those options. That's very fair. That's I'll just take my awesome. swipes at the brain and the fuzzy one. There you go. No, no, yeah, no. Go take all mm-hmm. the swipes you want at me. Right? Yeah, no. Can't freaking hit me. bounce off. Come at me, bro. <laughs> <laughs> He seemed to say. See what you got. All right, who else? Who else has got some fun stuff? Pons, what do you get? Uh, I just got like two things. So in case I get surrounded, I took Furious Shriek. What is that? <laughs> so yeah. That sounds so perfect it's for Pons based yeah. on the name alone. It's a scalable area effect ability. Unfortunately, it's not targetable. So it just hits everything around you. But it does 4d6 to every creature around you within 30 feet. And then if you're low health, it does actually 4d8 instead. 
If um, you're low health or if they're low health? I think it's if I'm low health. Let me see. So when you're That means dying, I don't have to hit Jeff anymore. I'll let pawns do it. <laughs> you were just giving me more and more reasons to stay far away from the brain guy. Yeah, and then uh, <laughs> I took a epiphany for mystics, which allows me to add half my level uh, as damage to any of my spells. And in area oh, effect nice. spells, it counts towards every creature hit. So oh, it's just a flat three to every a creature. A lot of potential damage yeah. yes. out there. Yeah. Wow. So I feel some synergy with the the scream that you just got. Mm -hmm. So that's that's mm -hmm. why I took that. Someone's setting up a combo. And then uh, I just increased my athletics because it was terrible. That's about mm -hmm. it. That's fair. That's fair. Uh, I'm actually really excited about the theme benefit that I get at this level. Mm -hmm. So uh, Scriff has the Tinker theme, and at level six I get durable crafting. Anything that I handcraft, you determine the hardness of it, the hit points, and the saving throws as if it were four levels higher than me instead of two. Oh, Normally, when you craft stuff wow. yourself, it's two. Now it's four. So, like, I mean, Sundering doesn't come up all the time, but if you tried to break my stuff, it's super durable now. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, and then Ten. I get a, I get wow. a me mechanic trick at this level, Ten and eight. I took Overcharge. <laughs> so... Uh, I, as a as part of like my attack standard action, I can expend more uses of my battery to add an additional one d six damage to the weapon. Nice so Mega Man arm That's cool. cannon. Yeah, and it I can is. do it wow. as a move action to put it on someone else's weapon. Wow. <laughs> That's actually pretty oh, good if you guys no. are near each other. Yeah, so Ooh, I nice. can just charge you guys up. It's one of those tricks that like it scale. I can scale it up. Like if I take it more times, it gets stronger. So later oh, on geez. down the nice. line, I can take it more times and get more d6s. So 5e goes in for their trick attack, and you're just like, why don't you just have a little bit more? Yeah, uh -huh. it has it has to be a, an energy weapon or a powered melee weapon. That's the only caveat. It doesn't work on things that use bullets. Right. That's okay. Yeah, I think sense. this crew now has a fairly good spread, so you probably have a lot of options. Yeah, but I use powered armor, so I figure that counts. It uses a battery. <laughs> Overcharge your armor. Right. Oh, yeah. All right. My I'll allow it. Electro <laughs> Because it's cool. It, it sounds like that would work, Adam. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Overclocking my systems. You are. No, that's, that sounds really cool. Okay, but I think we need to get into this because last time we left, you guys had just made quite a commotion. When we last left the second-hand crew, they had just brought down the walls of the Metadosa system and screamed into the drift along with the Space Goblin generational ship, the SS Explodernator. So, let's continue the screaming as we break through into another plane of reality in Volume 3, Chapter 1. Yes! This is the first time 5e has piloted a ship in the drift, and everything seems to be going fine according to the downloaded manuals. That feeling of your body stretching in every direction at once, your synthetic internal organs doing a barrel roll, all good so far? Now, at the end of the finale, you gave me a piloting check. Do you recall what it was? I do. What was it? It was a natural 20. That was a natural 20. 
And because of that natural 20, I'm not going to have you do a piloting roll right now because this is only like moments after that happened. Mm -hmm. I will, however, want a quick perception check. What are Everyone we first perceiving? Of are we like looking three. out into the into the drift, like out the window? Yeah, if you're around a window and you have a chance to look out, go ahead and give me a roll. Five E's perception is a twenty-eight. Twenty-eight. Hot. Hot. Uh, I got a seventeen. That was okay. a sixteen. That was pretty low for me. Okay, this makes sense. Five E is in the pilot chair. He's just looking out at this thing. So out the window, you're seeing the drift in a way you've never had a chance to. You're treated to these huge gas nebulas burning brightly in magenta and pastel blues with large chunks of debris cascading by. Several sections of foreign buildings, parts of trees, a drifting island streaks past, and a large dark shape overtakes the ship. As you see the Explodernator pass above smoke just pouring <laughs> out of its aft. Yeah. Is that intentional, the smoke, or is that because Probably of the Probably not. It does, however, <laughs> yeah. seem to be overtaking no, you, so <laughs> you're not wrong. That's their smoke screen. You can still launch trebuchets over the smoke. Yes. Oh, perfect. Good, the trebuchet survived. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're looking up there like, that's, that's the only thing that matters. What is it? <laughs> but your attention returns to your own ship for a moment after you've taken this brilliantness of the drift. And you notice that the flight stick that you're hanging onto is shaking. And the more attention you pay to it, the more you notice that it's not just the stick. You can feel it through the floor. In fact, everyone can feel it through the floor, except for Pons as he floats serenely in the air. Uh, is there something wrong with the gravity generators? I'm going to go take a look at the engines and the other systems. A diagnostic would probably be a good idea. I'm trying to see if I can determine our position. What? Wait, what's going on? Five is just trying to figure out where the heck he is. And also, why are we shaking? But, you know, they might be related. Oh. All right, why don't you go ahead, give me engineering, Jeff, and computers, 5e. 26 computers. That's a okay. 33 on the engineering. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, no, 30s were surprising in the last season, and this season, they're old hat now. Yep. They're expected. Passe. Oh. <laughs> you guys are level six now. That was still okay. a high roll. That's okay. still pretty good oh, roll. No, it was still good. It was still very good. <laughs> Richard, what's happening right now is you guys went into the drift without a beacon that you were locked onto. So you're just kind of flying through space and you have no idea exactly where that is. Uh, okay, so we need to find a beacon to lock onto in order to pull ourselves out of this. Potentially. That's not the beacon that we escaped, naturally. Right. Because that would be bad. I, I'm going to have to assume I've been in the drift at least one time before to have arrived yeah, from my planet. Yeah, at least to... a couple times. Like when okay. you went to Absalom Station, then when you tried to go somewhere else and got blown out of space. Yeah, so I'm, I'm just basically looking at Scriff panicking more than I would have expected. And uh, Do you need any assistance with something? Uh, no, I, I, I think I got it. Okay, well, I'm just here squished between the two. Uh, yeah these giant guys, so let me know if you need help. As you get into the engine room, you can tell that it is a fit show because that's what it's throwing. So with that engineering check, you can know three things for damn sure. First is 
during the fight with the Silent battleship when you used like ion tape, uh, chewing gum, and some prayers in order to repair the engines to keep them going. Yeah, uh, yeah. All that stuff is like deteriorating and like yeah, due to the yeah, heat and vibration yeah. of the engines. Uh, Number two. You can tell that if this engine keeps going without being wound down and repaired, it's either gonna fall out the back or it's gonna go supernova. And yeah. three, and this might be the most important, it seems to be a matter of seconds. We need to shut the ship down. It's at critical situation. Affirmative. It's just shaking around. Bolts are flying out of it. Ping, 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 bouncing around. Acknowledged, powering down. You pull this thing back and start slowing down. And then you see all that majestic purple and beautiful colors flying by disappear as you are dropped into this black ocean of emptiness. You see stars off in the distance. The first time you've seen stars in probably a month. Aside from that, you don't appear to be near any planets or anything like a system, anything like that. You know, you had left in the Stella Dolar from Absalom Station, but for some reason it doesn't appear that you're anywhere near that. We're just like in the black right now. Yeah, you guys are out in the vast. We need to get this ship back into working order. It took a big beating when we took on the God Sight. Is that even possible with the supplies that we have on hand right now? If it's not, then we're going to be stuck here for a long time, so pray it is. If we're having these difficulties, we should probably relay this information to the Explodinator as well. Yeah, did they come out of the drift as well? You slowed down, but you did not see them dropping out, as far as you could tell, because they maybe didn't know what was going on with you. Ew. Are we still in a position to communicate with them? You can certainly give it a shot. Let's let the Explodinator know that we are stopping for repairs. They look like they could use some as well. I'll send a common transmission to them, let them know that they should power down. Wait for us to send an EV team over. Okay. Basically, it seems like you could get a text message over there. And after a little bit, you get a response that's basically saying, we saw you guys disappear. I'm glad you didn't explode. Okay, we'll drop out and start doing some repairs too. Hey, uh, thanks for your cooperation. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, repairs time. Okay, yeah. Go ahead, give me another engineering check as you just, like, pull up your metal sleeves and get to work on this thing. I'll assist. Okay. Take your plus two. As you guys are doing this, Swarkus leans their head in like, I know this ship pretty well. Do you need any extra claws in there? Yeah, I, if you could check to see... Uh the other areas of the ship, see if there's any further damage. I'm going to work on the engines. I know they took a bad beating as we were making our approach. Right. Gives a little nod, and he's gonna go check some other systems. Okay, so what's your grand total there? Grand total is a 28. As you get in here, here's what you're finding out. Like, this ship is essentially a bunch of different pieces thrown together and has been welded into place. And the stuff you've done is like modifications on top of pre-existing technology. Most of that stuff is either worn out, it's cracked and broken. Basically, you really need a ship dock if you want the second hand to like get back to its full potential. So you get in there and it's gonna take you about eight hours, the two of you, to yeah. actually get this thing serviceable, but certainly not in a good way, you know what I mean? You just don't have the materials ready. Okay. Yeah, I was gonna say, I don't have much. We have Sorkis's hammer. 
I think. No, we don't. Back off. He just like hides it behind himself. <laughs> I think it was out of charges anyway, and I don't know what it's made out of. Probably about the same thing as this ship, honestly. Well, we're mm. going to need to find some place to stop. The fastest trip from anywhere is always Absalom Station, the Pack Worlds. Could we uh, do a, a search though and see what the nearest planet system is? Or we could, yeah, we use could, our we sensors. Have a way to do a sweep of the uh, area yeah, we're in. You guys assuming got like we are in a system. sensors and stuff. Mm -hmm. That's so, probably yeah, a good idea. You can absolutely give it a, uh, a sweep from the science officer station. Who wants to do that? Yeah, I don't have it. I do. Yeah, I have it as well. Then Whatever you want. This will have to be after you finish working on the drift drive, so a few hours later, you know. What's the grand total then? It is a 19. Not great. The scan sweeps out in all directions, casting out an invisible net through the reaches of space. And as the readings come back, it's clear that you guys are not around the packed world systems at all. Kind of as I mentioned, this is just the middle of nowhere, which is very strange, but definitely not the weirdest thing you've seen even today. Your scans are not completely fruitless, though. You guys are definitely somewhere in the vast and you've gotten one solitary ping when it comes to drift beacons because this ship doesn't have a database of all the beacons because it doesn't yeah. seem like it was built before the system clamped down. It only has what it detects right now, which is Got this it. one beacon. It's right. semi-close by. And speaking like meta-wise, if you guys were to jump there, it would take like 3d6 days and Whoa. one thing I'm going to tack on to your engineering as you guys have been trying to work on this engine is if it runs for five days straight, you guys are going to need to drop back out, repair it again, and do another jump. Can we get there on just thrusters? Ooh, it would take a that long sounds, time. <laughs> sounds like we would be a little bit, a little bit older yeah. when we get there. No. Or is, is the beacon within the system that we're in? It's a little further than that. Just because there was no like big amounts of debris, your scanners were able to get out and touch way over here. But that's about all you got right now. And this beacon is called Scars End. It pops up with that a little above the icon. Hmm. So try to think because we had, I don't know, there would have been other ships. Did we destroy the site? No. We escaped it. Yeah. Yeah, you guys landed got out the people who were being held prisoner, got out of there, and everybody ran off. I don't know if they have a drift drive or not. Would I know whether thrusters versus drift engine would be easier to be traced? Well, you know that the planet you were just on isn't very advanced in drift technology. They might not even be able to track that. You, okay. you don't know for sure. Got it. So we probably need to just figure out where's the best location for us to even start heading to if there's actually nothing in this area. I mean, we have a lot of people on board though too that have no idea where they're going necessarily with the rest part of uh, with the next part of their life. They're going so, with us. Yeah, maybe Absalon Station <laughs> is way. a good lo you know next location because at least they can depart anywhere after that. But I would assume. place is any. Just seems like it's going to be quite a long time before that. Does anybody have a Starstone compass? No. Probably not. <laughs> okay. Just curious. That might help. While you guys are like trying to figure out 
what the next step of this thing is. Swarkus comes up to you, Pons. He's huh. kind of, you know, floating around, hanging out. Mm-hmm. It seemed to me that in the last battle, you had some sort of healing abilities or something of that nature. Is this correct? Yeah, did, did you need... Ooh, yeah. Did, did you need some help? Ah, uh, I am not concerned for myself, but my people were tortured, it seems. Would you be willing to help them in this regard? Yeah, uh, kind of look over at them for a second. Yeah, they don't look good. They look like starved, and some of them have been beaten. Just give them some crystal crunchies. They'll be fine. <laughs> what? We have those? Where? Uh, do we have supplies for this amount of people for the amount of time it's going to take us? Uh, that, that seems a little sketchy. <laughs> yeah. We have PBs. Yeah. Can we eat those? We can I make mean... them into things that can be eaten. Really? Technically, yep. yes. Wow. Technically, Trolls yes. are a renewable source of protein. Because they regenerate. <laughs> <laughs> That's, um... I'm not saying it's a good idea. I'm saying it's an idea. I feel like they probably no need to have food themselves for that to, to work. Uh, yeah, I absolutely would be okay with helping them out with their, their wounds. Um, if this is a day later, I have enough probably for everyone. If I haven't gotten a rest, though, I can only help like two people. We took eight hours to fix the engines up. Did you do anything during that time? Just long rest. I mean, that's what I would need to do at this point. Yeah, I'm almost absolutely. dead myself. You just kind of found a little nook and cranny and just listed sideways a little bit as you slept. Yeah, just kind of kept floating. Yeah, I, I can definitely help out with them. I'll, I'll see that they're all attended to. And I'll, I'll burn a couple spell slots, uh, healing touch. I'm not going to use the empowered one unless necessary. Yeah, I'll at least get everyone looking like they'll hang on for hopefully the rest of the trip. Yeah, and I guess we're going to kind of shoot off into the into the drift and repair the engines as needed to get to that drift beacon, right? Okay, um, then if that's the case, I'm going to need a piloting check, and then I'm also going to need someone to roll those 3d6 to see how many days it will take. I'll roll it. I'll do the honors on the piloting. 13 days. That means within that, you're going to have to stop two times. Are piloting checks boosted by the ship's bonus? Yes. Then that is a 31. With a 31, here's what we'll do. We'll knock the days down a couple, just because you did so well with that. So we'll take it down to like 11 days. You still have to stop twice, but you'll be within one short jump before you get to your goal. All right, I'm gonna take a long rest while we're jumping through. Yeah, go ahead. Everyone on this ship is gonna need it in one form or another. Oh, you know, uh, what I do have is that Aeon Stone that prevents people from needing uh, food or water. And I don't know how I could pass that around or just you like can't pass it around. It, uh, takes, it, stuck it to me? takes like a day to attune. So we got a lot of days. There's not really any point in handing it to anyone. It just it'll prevent one person from needing food. All right. Well, if, if they're like dying, it could be a how good last resort have on the ship. Let me count mentally. <laughs> uh, let's see, because it's like one credit to make food. Right. Oh, that's yeah. not bad at all then. There's like 14, 16 people on this ship right now, I think, right okay. around there. A field ration is one credit for a week's worth of food. Oh, nice. nice. Okay. So uh, 30 credits total. 
No one will be happy, but they will be happy to be alive. <laughs> While this first jump is taking place, you guys have a little bit of time to yourself to get some rest in and stuff. You could probably full rest up to your maximum health because you're just gonna have time to recuperate probably for the first time since all this started. Yep, already done. During one of these times, uh, Swarkus comes up again and he kind of finds you when you've gathered together as a group. He sits down and something bends under him as he does. <laughs> I wanted to take a moment to offer my thanks for what you have done for the Gurugatal. I know that we have not always seen eye to eye. Looks over at Scriff. In fact, now we actually do see eye to eye, at least in some way. <laughs> when I'm in my armor. <laughs> and I felt it only fair that I should give back something to you as you have given to me. This ship was once one of mine, and while I had only intended to lend it to you while you made your escape, I think that all of you have done more than enough to earn it as your own. I think, I think we yeah. laughs out loud at that. <laughs> <laughs> Out loud. I, I think Pons is thinking, like, I'm pretty sure we stole this fair and square. I, He's <laughs> clearly not very good at the whole, like, giving and sharing kind of thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Shang, think you can just give us something that we already have? <laughs> kind of looks over at you, cocks their head a little bit, and then, mm, no, just ship computer. Yes, yes, how can I help you today, Tay? I would like to turn over the captaincy to one of these three. I believe I'm still registered. Uh-uh, absolutely <laughs> not registered. He doesn't know that. <laughs> he is absolutely not. I want to hear the computer's response. Go ahead. <laughs> I'm just pointing out. Categorically, <laughs> when Scriff programmed us into the computer, he removed Swarkus. <laughs> I vaguely remember us going over a transfer of something here, yeah. Oh yeah, you guys showed up and the computer was apparently uh, jailbroken. So you're just like, yeah, we run this thing. It's like, okay. Yeah, and then Scriff went in there and removed everything. The computer's like, Th th thank you. That is no longer necessary. I have already been reprogrammed. Just kind of give him the thumbs up to Swarkus. <laughs> well, it. Mm, I see. <laughs> Looks over at Scriff in particular, knowing full well it was you. Uh -huh. Scriff <laughs> is like continuing to tinker with whatever wires he is, but like does give a little grin and does not look at Swarkus. Swarkus puts his hands on his legs leans back and just full-on laughs as hard as he can about this. <laughs> well, it seems that this was all for naught. I appreciate the ingenuity in which you have dealt with this situation. He just stands back up, still kind of grinning. Well then, I will just go and return to my people. Yeah, 
I'm I'm curious about that. Do you all have a plan now that uh, well, you're leaving your home planet and doesn't really look like there's a way to return. I would not return if I could, but... We could take you back to Vesk Prime. His one good eye, like, opens a little bit. It has been my dream for many years to return to the Vescarium. I feel my people would indeed do quite well, should we be able to find our way there. Yeah, well, we're trying to get to a station that you should be able to transport your people quite easily, but, uh... Even that would be... Very helpful. There is, looks around, not quite enough room for everyone here, so if need be, we could find our own transportation. Of this, I am well assured. As long as your people pull their weight while they're aboard, we won't have any problem. Many of them are too weak, so I, any flexes, will pull enough for all of them. That's great. He gives a bit of a curt nod to everybody and then goes back to see the rest of his people again. I'll note that Swarka still, although has thanked us for rescuing, never apologized to Scriff for punching him in the face. Hmm, <laughs> must have slipped my mind. <laughs> oh, y'all are so salty. <laughs> Side of this, I, just keep I'm super entertained by this like, like frenemy relationship. Given, given how long that we've been on that planet, the wound probably just healed. You punched mm, me pretty again, hard. That was non-lethally. Doesn't matter. Yeah, I've healed you enough times. He had padded gloves. Still hurt. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I think at some point during this journey, uh, you're going to catch Scriff in the workshop cleaning up and repairing the armor after that fight. And there's going to be this moment where he's got a cleaning cloth and it's like cleaning off the debris from the fight. And as he gets up to the helmet of the power armor, he reaches up and sees like this blood that's on the, the power armor. And it's not Scriff's blood. It's the blood of one of those... Cylan, uh, uh, were they IT guys? <laughs> <laughs> the heavily armored IT guys? Yeah, in the computer room where we fought Pathon. And Scriff's going to pause for a second. And kind of the, the rag drops back down to his side. He sits down and just stares up at this blood for seems like hours. And says to himself, that was me. I did that. I, I killed someone. Never did that before. And he just kind of stares off into the distance, contemplating this situation that he's never been in before. Scriff has never killed anyone until that fight. That's right. It's mainly robots coming in like... <laughs> And like mind brain blast. This was the first, without question, they were sentient and their life was extinguished by Scriff's actions. The sight of this blood is just hitting him really hard. I I never wanted this. I just wanted to make things. Just wanted to to build things, to 
to protect people. I always liked working with armor. It felt like someone was going to be saved by my hands. But instead, instead they're dead. Dead by my hand. Pashet! Throws the rag to the floor and whips out a tool and starts disassembling the helmet of his armor and taking other pieces off. The thing only causes destruction! Five is going to come into the workshop and very gently put a robotic appendage on the arm that Scriff is using to dismantle the suit. Um, he's, he's reverting to his childcare protocols here, trying to be as soothing and non-threatening as he can. I, I think Scriff doesn't even notice until 5e actually puts his arm on his shoulder, like just isn't even recognizing anything other than the armor that's in front of him. Scriff, you have been cleaning this armor for nearly three standard minutes longer than you normally do, and this does not appear to be maintenance, rather a dismantling of some sort. You are acting erratically, and I am concerned. I... I can't do it, Fivey. I killed someone. I'd never done that before. <laughs> their life is ended. They'll never see their family. They'll never see their children. They'll never see their friends because of me. Because of what I did. I killed them. This, this thing that I created killed them. I won't have any more of it. Take it down. I'll tear it down. No. I understand what you are feeling. I was created to destroy that other life may be preserved. Yes, you ended the life of a sentient being, and you must recognize and deal with that. But that also means that you are possessed of a conscience, of moral programming, and you must weigh the life that you snuffed out against those that would have suffered and been snuffed out in turn if you had not acted. I don't know if I'm cut out for this. I don't know if this is what I was meant to do. I always thought that my inventions would be to protect people, but I realize that sometimes that means you have to take a life I don't know if I can do that again. How do you do it? I am programmed to assess the weight of one life of a sentient against another. That is my entire purpose. I am assigned a protectee, and I must eliminate all threats to that protectee. I do not have conscience in the same sense that you do, but I do have moral programming, and I do understand what it means to be restrained. When to use lethal versus non-lethal contact, for instance. You think that this machine that you have built is doing nothing but destroying. Let me show you something. Fivey opens a panel on the side of his torso, and he pulls out a drawing. It's uh, obviously something that a goblin child drew on, like, some crappy piece of pulped-up paper. And it's a drawing of the three of us. And, like, standing on top of this big, big hill, there's probably, like, little cartoon guys next to it with, you know, Cylon uniforms on and X's over their eyes and whatnot. And then you can see all these other goblins that are drawn in the background. They're cheering and, and smiling. The person right in the middle on top of the hill 
is a little goblin kid rendering of Scriff Dovetail in his suit of armor doing the superhero pose. This person thought that you made a difference, and you still can. Do not destroy your life's work because you are having trouble reconciling your conscience with your moral programming. All right. I won't tear it down. Thank you. You are welcome. Let me help you reassemble and clean this. I appreciate it. Your thanks are not necessary, but they are appreciated. So, you know, while this is happening, Pawns, you have mental senses, so you can pretty much tell who's feeling what throughout the ship. You know, you felt that Scriff was feeling this way, and then 5e went up, and you could kind of feel a change in that, so... It seems like that situation is kinda in hand isn't maybe the right way to say it, but the other thing that's kind of drawing at your attention during this time is coming from the airlock, where you're feeling Isbin Espa and Victor inside there. It's kind of hard to tell what's going on with Isbin because her brainwave patterns are very different than they used to be, but Victor you can tell that just under the surface seems like they're kind of freaking out. Really? Huh. Not something Victor is known to do. He's usually pretty level. He's probably a little overwhelmed from being in Triune's plane of existence. Hmm. I'll I'll go ahead and check on them though. I wanna I wanted to I wanted to check in on 5e and Scriff before that, though. Scriff's like holding on to this goblin drawing and staring down at it with probably 5e's like arm resting on his shoulder mm-hmm. to console him when you come in. I don't think I've ever wanted fan art more than that picture. <laughs> it's pretty good. <laughs> right next to the suit of armor too. Yeah. Half dismantled. This Cyland would have stopped at nothing to destroy a, a community that we helped pull together and that included many of our own friends. And while I don't know all the details of what we saw in 5e's vision, I'm imagining that the evil we're going to face in the near future is similar, if not far worse than even what the Cylan showed us. You see 5e's eyes flash to red very quickly before going back to the blue LED display. Still encourage us all to be fully prepared for anything that's coming and steal yourself, at least for this time until We have secured the safety of all of our families. As soon as you say all of our families, Scriff like snaps out of this sorrowful, self-deprecating phase that they were in and said, Nima, my sibling, we need to get back. Looks up at 5e. That person that took your protectee, they, they could be coming after my family too. If I wasn't around to deliver what I promised, my armor, they could be in danger. We need to get back to them as soon as possible. And that is what we are working on doing, but we are going to have to do a lot of repairs and maintenance to this ship to get it out of the drift safely. Yes, yes. I don't want to tell you the calculated odds of that occurring, but it's low. Yes, you're, you're right, you're right, you're both right. I, for the... For the sake of Nima, and Twisich, and Teb, and Glitch, and Tank, and Boma, and Bima, and Dust, and Click, and Feather, we're going to catch that Pashe. 
Spencer going to kill him. For their safety, you're right. Sometimes the best thing to do to protect someone is to take another life. Sometimes it is unavoidable. But right now I need you thinking clearly and focusing on the tasks at hand if we are to survive this. You should rest, friend. There's so much to do. I don't know if I can get much rest. Can I make both a stealth and a medicine check to just give him a little sedative injection? Yes, do it. (laughs) It's it's time for a nap. His emotions are just all (laughs) over the place right now. So, yeah, kind of warranted. I get it. Still 30, medicine 33. <laughs> and once he kind of slumps back and falls falls asleep, I'll look at Pons and say, perhaps you could get him to his quarters. Oh, Richard. Perception 29. <laughs> really? <laughs> wow. Just missed it. Uh-huh. Just missed it. It's like uh-huh. you're kind of I, looking around. and I don't know what if I could see. If, oh, <laughs> he just falls on his <laughs> <our> face first. <laughs> Flybee catches him on the way down. Uh I have downloaded a full copy of his design schematics. I will complete the maintenance on this suit. That way he can rest easier. I'll get him right there. Uh, I'm going to go check in on Isbin and and Victor. They seem to be distraught. And I'll carry Scriff over to an area that he can not be disturbed. If you require assistance, by all means, contact me. Although I believe you are probably better equipped to handle that situation than I am. I just imagine Scriff is like one of those people who work so hard, they have a bedroll under their desk, and that's where they sleep most of the time. Like when they pass out. I think he's got a cot set up in the workshop. Nice. Then he doesn't have to telekinetic you far. (laughs) (laughs) Uh Yeah, and they just kind of slide him a few feet onto it. So Pons heads over to the airlock and just sees if he can get any more information as he gets closer like are they making any sounds are they you know anything from actual perception i could gather yeah the airlock has this little window so you can look into what's going on in there okay just 30 for perception okay so you float up and look through the window and you can see inside they're both kneeling down isben espa appears to be hovering over the body of S3, that unit. Her two robotic arms are like pulled back and away, and she appears to be like pulling things out of the unit. Victor seems like he's trying to help somehow, but he clearly has no idea what he's doing. So he's just like holding things and like handing her a wrench when she needs it or something. Huh. But she seems to be just like ripping things out and throwing it into this little bucket nearby. Oh, geez. Okay, yeah. Pons opened the door immediately as he sees it. Uh, wh- whoa. Okay, what's going on in here? Door opens. Victor looks up, and you can see this look of, oh, thank God, as he looks over at Miss Espa is uh, attempting to remove the uh, corrupted elements of this uh, SRO unit. And I am helping. And you look over at that bucket as you like kind of move into the room and you can see that it's got that same nasty black stuff that Scriff pulled out of 5e. Oh, I forgot about that stuff. Uh, is Ben, have you figured out what all that stuff is? It, it looks really familiar. It's some sort of um, 
corruption for the biomechanical parts of the robots and uh I'm just gonna I'm just gonna pull all of this out until it's a nice clean frame and then we'll go from there. But yeah, she's she's not touching it with like her other hands. Just once it's like <laughs> has it reacted to the and I kind of sh- shake my arm off to the side a little bit. <laughs> Oh, I, I, I made sure that it was very dead. <laughs> she just oh, keeps pulling nice. things out, like pulls off that horrible skin faceplate that it always had on, Ugh. throws that off into the corner, and just like goes to town at the head. I'm going to go get in our 5e. I kind of float out. Right, just make sure he doesn't come like too close to any of this. He's probably the worst person to have that happen to. Uh-huh. Hey, uh, yeah, you, you might want to look through the window. It's been... St- like disassembling and just tearing that thing apart. There, there is that weird black sludge or kind of the corruption, yeah, stuff going through. Ah, uh, yes, the anomalous specimen. I will keep my distance, but I would like to examine it. There's not too much work left to be done on the suit. Yeah, there's That's a nice window. All right, uh, five. You walks down the hallway, peeks through the window. What if anything can I glean from this? Yeah, go ahead. Give me medicine. Or life science, either of those is fine. Uh, medicine's better, so 31. You know, you're gonna get a lot of similarity to what Pawn's got as you look down. You absolutely recognize this stuff. It seems to be that you in some way had contact with this unit when he took over you and then, like, he infected you with this. So, like I said, touching it, bad plan. Yeah, what you're really getting off that check is more from Isbin herself. You know, before she seemed to be like going a mile a minute when she was working on the satellite dish. Now you can see just like buckets of sweat pouring down her as she does this. She seems in a really bad way. That's not good. Can I tell with that check if that is a reaction to the situation or if that is a consequence of her having that appendage? bolted on for too long. Yeah, in your medical opinion, the latter seems much more likely. Like She's been through a lot of stuff, and yeah, she's had her issues, but this seems to be different than how she usually reacted to situations. Is that is, is she okay, in your opinion? No. Far from it. Fivey's gonna tap on the glass. Victor looks up. Does Isbin look at me at all? Nope. Just good. Focus. Good. And I'm just gonna crook one robotic finger. Three times. Okay, <laughs> you see Victor turn, say something to Isbin. Isbin doesn't react at all. He stands up, slowly opens the door, and he, he kind of tries to do it with his elbows so the stuff that's on his hand doesn't touch anything. Yeah, I'm going to keep my distance. That's I'll wait till plan. he gets outside and close the door. Yeah, it kind of does one of those like butt bumps to push it back closed. Uh-huh. Um, you should definitely stay clear of what's happening in there, um, 5e. I wholeheartedly agree. I have no intention of going near the anomalous specimen, lest I be reinfected. But I have other concerns. Uh, Captain Esper is not well. That implect, it is breaking down her systems. She's overheating, becoming dehydrated. It needs to be removed. I I completely agree. Um, she seems to be very adamant about what she's doing there. Um, she hasn't exactly told me why she's doing what she's doing. But I, I think that the two might in some way be related, but I'm, 
looks down at his hands. The least qualified for that sort of analysis. Interesting. Perhaps the symbiotic appendage is reacting in some way to the anomalous specimen. Uh, Maybe. Perhaps. Further experimentation could yield more concrete results, but I don't know that we have the time for that, nor do I think we can ascertain Captain Esper's acquiescence to such a procedure. I do. uh, Yes, Pond? I I have have like a thing I can kind of give her a bio check really quickly, if that would be of any help. Yes, that would be exceedingly helpful. I'll go ahead and cast status on her, which is like exactly that. Confused, disease, dying, nauseated, panic, poison, staggered, stunned, unconscious, heart. It just goes on forever. Yeah. What condition she has. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would be hard to put a label on what the condition is as far as Starfinder rules go. Sure. But yeah, it's not that different from what 5e said where it seems that she's burning way too hot you can make the conclusion that this hand is using her or being used by her in a way that is very harmful yeah so she's getting layers like exhaustion basically yeah and you can tell that if this keeps going it will kill her all right whatever the impetus of the process it appears that she's going into some sort of microcellular overdrive her adenosine triphosphate production is off the charts. Uh, do we want to stop her now, or wait till she's done cleaning that thing? I would advise stopping now, but I don't believe she's going to listen to reason on that point. Well, I mean, she's not going to like it, but I have a couple of options. Such as? Yeah, I could paralyze her for a little bit. I have heard worse ideas. Alright, um, I'll go ahead and cast Hold Person on her. Can make a save. It's a decent DC. You may also need to put her through a decontamination process. You cast Hold Person, and as you do, you feel mentally grips around her, and then boom, is just like blasted back. And you can see through the window, they stop what they're doing for a second, and look over at the window, and just kind of see you staring down at them. And you hear in your mind, are you trying to stop me, Pawns? Oh, that's creepy. Well... Just keep you from dying. I need to finish doing this. I, I, I can tell what's happening. I know, I know what, what this is doing. And I'm... <sighs> She's trying to maintain focus to try to talk to you this way, but seems sure. to be having a lot of difficulty. Yeah, see, the problem is the next thing we're going to have to do is going to be a little bit more extreme. Uh, be a good idea if you stopped. Veiled threats. We can take care of it later. Come in here. Oh no. (laughs) (laughs) As I face begrudgingly float through the door. (laughs) Hi, lady. Shut the door behind you. Just now show me where your ass is so I can kick it. (laughs) I'll shut the door behind me, but keep a telepathic link going. For the first time, she stops what she's doing, stands up, walks over to you. And then you know how like cats bump heads with each other? She mm-hmm. does that to you and just like bumps her head against yours. And you get this really weird feeling. You kind of recognize it because you have this skill that transfers information. Yep. It seems adjacent to that. What you get is you get this intense feeling. Imagine that you were trapped for an indeterminate amount of time and then you see you're chained up and there's this key like just out of your reach and you can't get to it but you're trying so hard 
and it's like this overwhelming pressure to escape. She takes a step back and keeps talking to you mentally, says, I need to put this hand on something that can actually maintain it. I can't. I can't maintain it. Uh, if I can pull this thing apart and, and fix it, then, then maybe I can get this thing off of me, but I need to put it on something else. I can't just leave it in a bin. It'll... I, I, I can't. Uh, I'm, I'm thinking, as out of character, maybe we should put it on NR5E, but I, seeing what it's doing to her, I don't know. <laughs> the, the hand, right? I mean, the hand. Yeah. Uh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I think... As she says she wants to get this arm off of her, I, I will relay that back to NR5E because I want to ask her, we do have another way of implanting that arm. And I, I don't require... plan to let it be attached to the ship or anything like that. I don't know where it would go if it had that kind of power. Well, there's another robot standing outside that I trust. I don't think that's a wise idea. Uh, I, there's this, I don't know how to describe it. Emotions, not, not exactly thought. There's something happening here that is in a way overwhelming me. And I don't think it's a good idea to attach it to an organism that has sentient thought already. It looks down, at least that we care about. Oh. Wow. <laughs> Ooh, so she's suggesting that if she can clean the specimen off of S3, we mm -hmm. can just implant the arm onto that. Right. Yes. Jeff, am I, am I warm here? So, Scriff's obviously sleeping right now. But uh, yeah, yeah. The, the thought that came to Jeff is cat. Cat is not sentient. That sounds scary, but though. But cat is also very intelligent. Hmm. I like the idea better than installing it on my character. It also does not have the access levels of a ship. That's a that thought. sounds really scary, though. Because that, like, that would like fully take over Cat, I'd assume. Probably. Be cool, though. Probably. We, we don't know. We don't know. Well, 5e will happily steal that idea. <laughs> <laughs> or Richard will happily steal that idea from Jeff for 5e to use. Scriff is just dreaming about it, and then it's bouncing off pawns <laughs> over to 5e. I'll, I'll relay back to uh, to 5e. She, she she doesn't want to put it onto you. Do you have any other ideas better than this robot we have no knowledge about? What about a fully non-sentient neural network? One like the one that Striff uses. You, know, you want to, like, stick a battery on this thing? What? What do you mean? Cat. I, I don't know if the aesthetics would work with, like, an arm sticking up out of Scriff's armor, but... This is not a matter of aesthetics. Hmm. It is a matter of saving that patient. And right now, if we do not get that arm off of her and onto another specimen, she is going to die. Oh, well. I'll, I'll quick link all that information directly back to uh, Isbin. Okay, she kind of absorbs it, takes a second. Uh, that, that potentially could work, maybe. Uh, as long... Mm, the only reservation with that is would it be free or would it just be another type of cage would it just be uh, stuck in another computer this thing kicks it at least can move it can walk is is that better for this arm that it has a body 
I guess. If you, if you were stuck in one place for who knows how long, would you not wish to be able to move once again? Hans thinks back to that vision that Isben showed him. Well, then I guess this is our best bet. Just need to keep monitoring you, and I'll, I'll assist with what I can to finish this. Looks out through the window, kind of looking for someone. Is Scriff here? I think he might be able to... And he won't be infected or anything by this ugh, black stuff. Hey, do we have any adrenaline? <laughs> Scriff's sleeping right now. I could reverse the sedative process, but I think it would be far wiser for him to get some rest. Uh, nah, nah, he's sleeping. Oh, I miss doing that. Okay, <laughs> she kneels back down <laughs> and with the one oh, arm yeah. just starts going back to what she was doing. All right, I'll, yeah. I'll be here if, if I finish or if someone can come help. Even you can send Victor back in. He's at least handing me wrenches. If you can do something, great. Yeah, I'll, I'll use my skill checks as well. What do you want? Could I relay instructions to pawns on what to do? I mean, if I, we've got a telepathic link, then that should actually theoretically make it easier to direct his actions. Okay, I, I can dig it. Why don't you go ahead, give me computers then? Yeah, I'll have potentially pawns assist, I guess, on okay. this one. Sure. sure. That's a weird one, but I like the creativity. <laughs> Since we made a mess, we need to clean up here by <laughs> drugging our teammate. <laughs> oh, God. Um, that's a 22 computer. That's just a 14. So it's this weird process of <laughs> kind of you're the middleman pawns in this, and you're relaying visual imagery <laughs> kind of back to 5e, so he's using your eyes to, like, help. And yeah, okay, um, thank you very much. It's gonna take some time to do this, so... We're gonna go ahead and do a bit of a time jump here. Okay. So after maybe even an entire day, Scriff, you just kind of come to and you're real groggy. <sighs> oh, how long has it been? <laughs> There's like six Gurgatal people sitting there like, uh, you've been out like an entire day. Because <laughs> it's just all crammed together. <laughs> Tim 5e comes over and, and says, You must have succumbed to exhaustion. Here, I've prepared your favorite tea. <laughs> Can I get a bluff check for you must have succumbed <laughs> to exhaustion? Sure. I am super good at this, and he will totally believe my 19. Huh? <laughs> which required a 17 on the Scr die. Scruff believes 5e emphatically. Okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Are we still in the drift? Unfortunately, yes. Soon you guys are going to need to drop out, do an engine repair, and then another piloting check. Yeah. That was the best nice sleep I've had in a while. The, uh, I guess the activity of the, the fight really, uh, did a number on me. Yes, I understand that that sort of strenuous activity can be quite taxing on organics. We're going to need to drop out and make repairs soon. Alright, I'll get on it. Go ahead, give me another engineering check as you guys bring it back down. I assist. Take your plus two. Okay, not as good. A 24. Yeah, this engine is not doing hot. It's running hot, but it's not doing hot. Yeah, you don't know how many more times you're gonna be able to jump with this engine. Go ahead, give me a piloting check. 5e. Piloting is only an 18 this time. Yeah, so as you 
finish repairs and start kicking back up, kind of like before the stick is a little shaky and you can feel the vibrations moving through. Like you trust that Scriff has got it to where it's usable, but it is certainly in poor condition. I imagine sometime during this next jump, which is about five days, uh, Scriff is gonna find out about what's happening in the airlock. <laughs> uh, so we had an interesting predicament as you were sleeping. There's like some crazy stuff happening with Isben and her arm, and it seems to really be draining her. We're trying to transport really? it. Yeah, we're trying to put like onto that robot husk that we had back there. But there was a bunch of that black gook that was in in our 5e. Okay, how can I help? Just need to. Are we attaching the arm, or are we still removing that substance from the other? I think we're about finishing up uh, with the substance. I'll see what I can do. Uh, You head over there. When you get to the airlock, you can see that the S3 unit is laying outside the airlock on the ground. Isbin and Victor standing by. And Isbin just reaches up and hits the open airlock button. And like the little bucket of black gunk just goes (laughs) off into space. (laughs) Okay. Closes it back up. The inner airlock opens and she starts shoving the robot back in. Victor's like got the legs. He's like, hop, hop, hop. (laughs) (laughs) Oh yeah, he's been. I hear you need some help. Scriff, sweat pouring. Uh, Yeah, any help I can get, this would be much faster if you were here. Uh, I I think I've gotten all of the infection stuff that was in there, uh, the same stuff 5e had. Which, by the way, uh, I took the liberty to shoot, there was another chunk of that in like a little tube on the wall. I shot that in space too because I don't want any of that around. I like it. I was wondering where I put that. Fair enough. But if you want to get in here, we need to start rebuilding this thing at least enough that it has motor functions and uh, a working CPU, that kind of thing. The, the technology that this thing was built on was probably ancient before this all happened. Kind of gestures to what, like the body on the ground. All right, let's get to work. So I'm going to pull out their tool kit. Go ahead and give me engineering or medicine. I think I know which one you're going to pick. 26. Because she's having such a hard time, like just focusing right now, you take the lead on this and they assist you. Um, and they do get the assist, so you get a bump on that. All right, 28. Okay, so this is gonna take some time. So again, we're gonna kind of jump forward a little bit in increments. Like you guys take shifts trying to help out. 5e, you're trying to like force water into like Isbin's face. It's like, working. Yeah, yeah, because once we get that thing off of her, I'm basically gonna have to put her in makeshift ICU. Yeah, and it gets to the point where you guys have to drop down out of the drift once more. She's occasionally will take water, occasionally will eat like a few bites of something, but she's wearing away as you guys work on this thing. Go ahead, give me another engineering check for the engine, another piloting check as you guys make your last and final jump. Oh gods. (laughs) What do we got, boys? Well, my piloting results are 13. Engineering 29. Um, I would like to use a space popsicle because that, that was a natural one. Ooh. And that's a really low result. Yeah, I had a feeling it might be. Go oh. ahead, re-roll that thing. Let's see if we could do a little bit better. And at least this time, you can't get lower than 11 on that roll, so. I don't 
right. That is a result of 30. Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, <laughs> this thing is falling apart as you're flying with it, you know? You're doing the very best you can to maintain course and try to put as little strain on it as you can. The engine, you've got like six layers of ion tape just stretched over this thing, holding it into place. Like, you guys are, your rolls have been good enough to keep it together for now, but it's really not looking good. You guys have about a day left jump, and it's around the time that you guys go back into the drift Isbin looks up at, probably Pons is the only one there because you guys are kind of working on the other stuff at the moment. Says, I think it's as ready as we can get it on this ship. Pons looks over at you, lifts up the arm. Operation time. Um, Operation. <laughs> uh, Pons is the doctor for you. <laughs> okay, I actually do have decent medicine, but I don't have any tools. Dog slicer? Rip it off and then healing touch. Dog slicer. <laughs> I'm sure Scriff's got some tools in his workshop. Just lay down on the bench there. I don't care. Let me go grab a hacksaw. Close <laughs> <laughs> <Close> enough. <laughs> Just like so over it at this point, like anything, please. Uh huh. Well, I don't Wasn't have. Wasn't hacksaw mentioned last time you guys did this? Yes, I think, I think so. so. That's the required tools in order to yes, remove an arm. Yes, this is professional tools right here. Bone saw. Go pick up a little bit of sedative from 5e. All right. Uh, grit, grit your teeth. <laughs> All right, pawns. What you got for me? 31 for medicine. Ooh, maybe yeah. pawns should have become a doctor. That's pretty good. <laughs> that is pretty good. You borrow some anesthetic. <laughs> passes out on top of the workbench in Scriff's office. You know, just like last time, the last thing she sees is someone pulling up a hacksaw looking down <laughs> at her. <laughs> As you, with pretty surgical precision, proceed to remove the bit of the arm that was connected, it takes about an hour or so, just like mm -hmm. But eventually, the arm drops down onto the quote-unquote operation table. And you see Isbin take this big breath and then lets it out. And, you know, she's still under, and that's probably for the best at the moment because, oh boy. Oh, thank God. All I've, all I've done is brain surgery. This is... <laughs> this is not what I'm used to. And that's super common where you come from, so it's not really that big of a deal. No. Brain surgery's not rocket science. No, it's like, That's all we're it's like your body. <laughs> so laying there on the table is this hand, and you can, as you look at it, kind of feel that same pressure that has been shared with you, like the pressure to try to give mm -hmm. freedom to whatever's in there. I'm sure that the arm of the other robot here is, or has been removed at this point. Oh yeah, that was one of the first things to go. <laughs> Can I have Scriff come in and repair this thing, or do I need to use uh, yeah, medicine um, again? You, like at this point, you guys have again jumped, so okay. <laughs> you know, Scriff probably looked in and saw like <laughs> in the office, and was like, "Seems like this is a place I should be." <laughs> all right, all right, dear, come come finish this for me. I, this part's making me nervous. All right, what do you need from me? I'll Just take your lead. I, I don't know, stick it stick it on there, or... <laughs> you got any super do. glue? Are we yeah. we're attaching it to the S3? Yes. Right. 
Yeah, it's still sitting in the airlock in case it needed to be ejected for any reason. Okay. Here we go. Engineering check. 24. Well, it helps that you have already done this before because you guys put the arm on Isabin originally, and it's essentially the same process. You get into the airlock, attach this arm. Takes a little while again, kind of takes about an hour to actually line up everything. It doesn't have the same kind of mounts. You know, once it's done, you kind of take a step back and look down at your work. Like, that was a pretty good job. Not the best thing I've ever done, but. Yeah, like, this unit kind of sucks anyway. It's possible. <laughs> now, how many people have attached a uh, extra planar arm to a robot before? Right? You could start a new yeah. field of study with this. <laughs> so, it just kind of sits there for a while as you stare down at it. Looking over at Pawns, Pawns gives a little shrug. I guess it's working. Do we turn it on? I don't know if uh, I trust it. I'm going to go back out of the airlock, turn this thing on, and then I step out of the airlock. Yeah, you step out of the airlock, close the door, you guys are peeking in through the window, and pawns, you suddenly detect a small amount of mental activity, and it starts to grow and grow and grow. And while you're feeling this, Scriff looking in, you can see where the arms connected, that ebony color begins to stretch and overtake the arm part that's connected to and begins to connect to the rest of the body as it spreads over the entire chassis and it gets this glistening sheen to it. All of the joints vanish and it's just this one smooth object in humanoid shape. It's a goo. And then slowly, it's a goo. They begin to sit up until they're they do it completely from the hips it's just kind of like sitting up without moving mm -hmm. anything else oh it's disturbing uh scruff is gonna press the intercom button and say identify yourself like holding a hacksaw <laughs> so comforting great bedside there. case they look up and say be not afraid i apologize but i will be boring this body for a while my name is Pala. Pala the Stranger. And that is where we will end this chapter. No! <laughs> when life drains you down, charge up on the Emergency Power Network. Theme song triangles by Diamond Ace. Find them at bandcamp.com. Music provided by Nicholas Judy of Dark Fantasy Studio at darkfantasystudio.com and Tabletop Audio. Find them at tabletopaudio.com as well as Carl Casey of White Bat Audio. Find them at whitebataudio.com Font Azonics by Mixo. Find them on Twitter at MixoFX. The Starfinder role-playing game, including its official lore and images, are the intellectual property of Paizo Incorporated. All rights reserved. Narrated by Danny Lee Collins.